Great. Well, then we're ready to get started. Well, I guess we'll just get started. Um, thank you all for coming and uh, joining on this spiritual care Zoom table. Probably not the first person to use that word, but first person I know of. Um, I feel like it's an important disclaimer for me to make that I'm not any kind of authority on spiritual care. I was just tabbed to put together a podcast about it and put together some folks who I love and um, hear their take on. And um, also, I think a probably important disclaimer that I know we're all aware of on this call, um, that we're not a total representation of the faiths at HDS or position mm -hmm. ways to approach spiritual care. And we just are the authorities of our own experiences on this. Um, so anyway, thank you all for being here. I just thought, how about we start off with going around um, with a brief background, maybe on where, what our tradition is, what our role as spiritual care providers might be, and maybe just also where we're at today, emotionally, spiritually, how has today been? Um, so I have my order, Aaliyah, Alex, Jensen, Alex Baskin, Carrie, and then Jess. So how about we start with Aaliyah? Yeah. Um, hi, I am Aaliyah Shimbro. Um, I am currently serving as chaplain intern um, for the Harvard Divinity School Office of the Chaplain and Religious and Spiritual Life. Um, so that's my spiritual caregiver role officially um, as of this time. I'm also just a person who cares about people and how they're doing um, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually right now. And I hope all the time, but it seems especially present right now. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm doing all right today. I, I made a good decision that um, I was listening to my body earlier today and after my second Zoom call of the day, I was like, wow, I, I need some rest. Um, and I, I took that and um, feel a lot better for it. And then just kind of decided to spur in the moment that I was going to do this outside. It like needed to be in the air. Um, so I'm doing well under the circumstances. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Alex Jensen, on to you. Yeah. So yeah, my name is Alex, Alex Jensen, and uh, I am a second year Master of Divinity student. Harvard Divinity School. I also am uh, doing uh, field work at uh, First Parish in Wayland, where I'm also the ministerial intern, um, and I work there part-time. And, uh, you know, I wear a couple of other hats around campus, too. I'm also involved with um, the HDS UU Ministry for Students group, the um, UU student group on campus. Um, I'm one of the co-presidents. And then I'm also, um, if, if that wasn't enough spirituality in my life, I'm also the spirituality chair for the, the queer rights group here on campus. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm also a Unitarian Universalist if that wasn't apparent with my involvement with the UU student group. And uh, I think today um, I started off feeling kind of drained with the amount of calls I had. And this week has just felt so digital in a way that my other weeks haven't felt. But I am feeling a lot perkier now that I've had a big couple of uh, cups of coffee. And that's I'm feeling it, and I'm sure that you all are feeling it too. <laughs> so um, that feels good to have recaffeinated. Uh, I can definitely feel it. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> um, Alex, too. Alex Baskin, how are you doing? Uh, hi there. My name is Alex Baskin. I use he pronouns. Uh, I'm a first year MDiv student at HDS. I, um, I, 
Before coming to HDS, I was living and working at a place in Western Mass called the Insight Meditation Society, uh, where I was supporting retreatants, people doing silent meditation retreat, and supporting specifically people in crisis. Um, in that context, people um, either with medical emergencies or with severe emotional distress. Um, I also worked with study abroad students in India for a few years with a Buddhist studies program. Um, I'm a Buddhist. I, uh, I'm, I'm living and working now at the Cambridge Insight Meditation Center, where I, uh, you could say care. It's, it's, I care for the space mostly. I'm basically the janitor here, which I love. It's a work exchange. I, I take care of the, the building um, in exchange for room and board. It's, it's weird now because there's no one else here but me, but I'm keeping the plants watered and bringing the mail in and yeah, just um, adjusting to this odd new reality like everyone else, well, like everyone else. We're all adjusting to an odd reality, each in our own way. Um, today, I went for a walk and I brought a bubble wand with me to the Cambridge City Hall green and yeah. it was sunny and, um, and yeah, I was just sharing, sharing some some joy with the people it was fun awesome thank you for your bubble service <laughs> uh, uh, carrie how about on to you i love the bubble idea alex i wish i'd thought of that i'm going to do that tomorrow i think thanks so much for having us joe my name is carrie maloney um, i serve as the chaplain for harvard divinity school which means i'm here for people of all traditions and no tradition I myself have a background in several traditions, but landed finally in the one of my birth, which is Christianity. I'm ordained in the United Church of Christ, which is a Protestant denomination. Um, how am I today? Well, we are recording this at five o'clock on a Friday night at the end of our first full week of being online as a divinity school. And, um, I think I've heard digital fatigue from others of you as we've gone around and I, I share that. I'm, I'm zoomed out, but I'm also so profoundly grateful for this strange technology that provides us a kind of radical intimacy with one another at a time when that is what we are all craving, um, a deep kind of connection. So to have friends and colleagues and students and others just appearing on my screen inches from me um, feels miraculous. It also feels exhausting <laughs> to be doing it again and again, but I am grateful for that. I am also, I, I too, it's a beautiful day right now as we're recording this in, in Northeastern United States, bright and sunny and near 60 degrees. So I escaped from my list of Zoom calls today and went outside, but not with bubbles, I'm sorry to say. And I ran to the post office and back, um, which was just a nice little four mile run. And it was beautiful. And I was grateful to be out. And I, my heart was full for every person I passed. People are being so kind and waving and going out of their way to be generous with their eyes and generous with their hands, even at a distance to wave. And it just makes me feel so grateful for them and so worried for everybody around us whose lives are all upended, and some, many, whose lives are actually ended. 
So that's where I am. I'm between concern and gratitude, fatigue and energy, um, joy and and fear. I think joy and angst. I'd say more angst than fear. So thank you, Joe, for having us. Thank you, Carrie. That was beautiful. Jess, how about you? How are you today? Wow. Um, I, I don't know if I can say it better than Carrie just expressed it. Um, my name is Jessica. I use she, her pronouns. I am also a first year uh, master's of divinity student at HDS. Um, I don't think I have a formal peer role in our community. Uh, I come to HDS through both the Christian tradition as well as the tantric Hindu tradition, and I teach yoga. So um, I think a lot about uh, the, uh, the divine or spiritual experience where the body meets the soul and where those overlap. And so I suppose um, if I provide care, it tends to have that lens on it or that flavor in it. Um, uh, today, I think I feel very both and. Uh, I, I realized today that um, in, in a, a week prior to this experience where I was commuting to and from school uh, and moving through the world, I, I felt a lot of solitude. And I think that has to do with all of the walking that I did to and from campus. Uh, I was you know, in community with classmates, um, in community with other folks at libraries or other you know, public spaces. Um, but I was also walking a lot on my own, in my own thoughts or in whatever I was resting my attention on. And uh, all week I've been, as we all have been, uh, engaging with folks digitally, but also more or less in the same apartment with my husband, whom I love. Um, but I miss solitude a little. I, I, I'm odd to feel in a moment of such social uh, isolation and separateness that I feel like I am lacking a kind of solitude. Um, so I have been trying to cultivate a sense of space, even as I share a tiny home with another human being uh, for whom I'm super grateful and I wouldn't change anything. And I've been trying to cultivate a little space. Um, so I think I, I feel grateful for the ways that we can connect and also interested in what it looks like to pursue or experience solitude in an experience like Wow. Thank you. And thank you all for sharing. I realized I didn't share what my deal is. Uh, so I'll just share that real quick. Um, I'm Joe. You see him pronouns. I am, uh, as a, after a long, strange trip, maybe something like Carrie has described a little bit with dabbling with lots of different things. I'm discerning ministry in the United Church of Christ currently. Um, it's the Christian denomination, Protestant denomination. And, um, Today, I feel pretty good. I uh, did a different uh, body weight only workout. I'm used to having things, equipment to, to use. And so that's been new for me. Um, yesterday, I would say I was feeling really, um, I guess, emotionally needy. Um, and, you know, starting to have those like a lot of that self doubt and maybe that those things like, oh, why aren't people, <laughs> why am I not feeling the same love as I have? Wish I like could normally feel like oh right because you're not touching anybody, um, so that's that that has felt a little bit better today. I've gotten some good candid conversations with people and just trying to better. Um, so anyway, once again, great to have everybody. I thought we would start with a question that a couple of y'all in our email um, sounded like it was really pressing and present for you about 
this topic of uh, spiritual bypassing because that might seem like a primary danger maybe to both this this whole topic and this this time we're in now, which is for people who don't know what spiritual bypassing is, it can a lot of people define it different ways. Um, that might be in the Christian terms I understand it. It would be jumping to the good news of Easter Sunday without sitting in the sort of the, the tragedy of uh, the crucifixion of Jesus and not really allowing ourselves to fully feel um, those grieving aspects of ourselves that are very real. So this is an open question for anybody if they want to jump in. Um, how worried are you about spiritual bypassing? Would you define it differently than I've just defined it? Um, what are your thoughts in general? I, I can jump. I can jump in um, to just offer a, a like another definition. That's a really beautiful one, which I hadn't heard before hearing it from you, Joe. Um, yeah, in like other uh, terms for other folks, I, I've heard it attributed to the Buddhist psychotherapist Jonathan Wellwood, who wrote about spiritual bypassing as using our spiritual practice to bypass the psychological healing work that that we're called to do. Um, so examples are like um, someone who someone uh, perhaps especially because of social location who's taught to or made to not express anger throughout childhood and adolescence and in their life, um, meeting with a spiritual practice that tells them just to practice compassion um, so that when they do feel anger, they're doing something like, oh, I shouldn't feel this anger, I should practice compassion, um, when actually for that person, their work would be to engage with their anger. Perhaps for someone else for whom anger is sort of overdeveloped or um, has been overemphasized or overconditioned in their life, leaning towards compassion is the right medicine. But um, for someone who actually already has it in spades and needs time to express anger, they're, spiritual by they're spiritually bypassing their work if they aren't acknowledging anger. Um, so with regards to like this emergency we're in, yeah, I was, I've definitely been irritated by what the term I've been using is silver lining Buddhists. And it's like, it's like when I'm reading stuff from other people who are like, wow, solitude, um, it, um, or like interdependence, like this is what we've been telling you all along, versions of that, that I'm like, okay, stop trying to look for the silver lining in this. I'm pissed off. Let me be pissed off. This sucks. I want to like go to school. I want to hang out with my friends. Like, I want to go to the movie theater. I want to like, um, I don't like, I mean, I, yeah, there, there's a time for acknowledging interdependence. There is beauty in solitude, but like, I also don't like these things imposed on me. And I don't like to be told that I should be looking for the silver lining when how I'm feeling is really grumpy and angry. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else want to jump in on that? Um, I think I, I, I mean, I, I want to be humble and say that this is one of the first times I've worked with the term spiritual bypassing. So I might not fully grasp it, but I mean, it's, it seems to me that there's, there's kind of that impetus I'm seeing to want to move to just business as you know, usual. Things are just fine. That what people are really looking for is just that happy face. Um, in my context, you know, working at a parish, that happy face on Sunday morning, even if that face is uh, being live streamed on a Zoom call to everyone and not from the 
know, not everyone in the congregation together. And um, I think from this past week, especially being in the first week of, of things really picking up um, digitally and kind of starting to operate this way, um, I've been um, surprised in terms of, of noticing uh, my role as a ministerial intern um, with how it seems like um, th there are like a lot of different needs at, at play, really not one particular need. But um, I, I would say the, the interesting thing, like, for example, on, on Monday, um, the, the minister and I had like a, a workshop call we were doing with a, a topic that was totally unrelated to talking about the, the COVID-19 outbreak. And um, we had kind of had a strategizing talk before that saying, well, what are people going to be bringing into this and what are people going to be needing from this? Might they need to really talk about um, what's going on? Um, so, so we kind of asked an open general question to, to open the space when we had probably about 15 or so people come onto the call, which was a good turnout. Um, and when we asked that question, we made it open so that people could share if they wanted what was going on. But I was surprised to find that really what people were saying is like, you know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm kind of checked out right now. I don't want to talk about this. The reason I'm here is because this was labeled as something totally unrelated to what's going on. Um, so to some degree, I don't know if that, that counts as bypassing. I think to some degree it, it uh, I mean, there, there's other needs too, I find like on, I, I think it really comes to kind of an issue of, uh, of presence for me maybe, and, and like knowing how to show up in the space, um, knowing what people are really needing in a space, even a virtual space like this. Um, it's, a, it's a really daunting challenge as, you know, somebody who, who's being a minister to, to walk into those spaces and not know what it is people really need or, or are expecting from their minister at that time. And it's an even more delicate thing on Sunday morning when you can't really talk to people ahead of time and know what the request is really being of you. But what I find is like on, on Sundays, it, it really is a, a beautiful opportunity to be real and raw and say, this is our reality right now. Um, things aren't normal. This is this is not the way it usually is. Um, and um, people being really appreciative that that's being named and really being centered. Um, so, so I guess I, I answer this with kind of, you know, a, a spectrum answer with people seem to be at different places. Um, I don't know if what counts as bypassing or not, but like sometimes I'm finding that some people really don't want to talk about what's going on and, and really kind of need something else on their minds to, to process and to move forward. And then on the other hand, the power in naming what the reality is, is really quite um, a big deal. Um, so anyway, I'll stop there. Thank you. Uh, I would love to add that my experience, I think, or interaction with this idea or practice of spiritual bypassing um, often has a, a kind of power dynamic in it and around it. So um, my experience as a student or practitioner has been that if I'm experiencing a struggle with something, um, that I will, I will be gifted with advice from uh, an older and wiser teacher or practitioner who has let me know that like I just haven't gotten far enough into the practice or haven't developed enough spiritually to have transcended the struggle that this is. Um, and so one of the things I've been thinking of as I watch colleagues and teachers and students cope digitally um, is wondering if we are trying to do too much too soon and uh, if we are remembering or planning for sustainability and wellness, you know, in all of the ways that we can cultivate it over the long term and not just over the next three weeks. Um, I, am, I am concerned about um, being told or, or telling anyone um, that like you just haven't developed enough yet 
and this is going to be an experience that's going to help you grow. You know, um, I have grown and you haven't yet grown, but you will grow. Uh, that's my, that's generally been my experience with spiritual bypassing. It's, it's like the, the power that is linked to it can be really harmful. Um, so yeah, I would just add that. Great. Thank you. Well, I want to affirm the wisdom of all of you that have just spoken um, and agree with it all completely. I think there is a, in me a suspicion, not just of the power dynamic in the urge to do that spiritual bypassing, which is an inch, such an interesting term, isn't it? Um, but also the uh, economic opportunistic transactional nature of it. And by that I mean, um, it goes to the silver lining thing that you were talking about, Alex. I, let me give you a, a raw example. I, I just want to say, to me it strikes me as a very, um, in our modern time, a neoliberal impulse to uh, make a buck <laughs> off of suffering. To And whether that's actually money or some kind of spiritual um, currency. Let's see, you can grow, Jess, just like me. If you were, you know, as evolved as I, your teacher, whoever that teacher is, then um, you could get something out of this. There's something transactional. The other night, I never look at network news, network evening news, but because we were all stranded at home, I was with my husband and we turned on the network evening news and I was flabbergasted, not only by the number of um, medication ads, you could just string together any number of diagnoses and there there are there are you know hundreds of medications that you can petition your doctor for but also the number of auto ads and almost the the the, uh, the template seemed to be regardless of the maker of the automobile you're stranded at home we'll bring the new car to you you don't even have to leave your your home to risk your life to come to our dealership now of course they're they're Sales are tanking, the economy stopped. Nobody can leave their home. We'll bring the car to you. And furthermore, we are going to um, give you no financing or whatever it is. Um, for those of you who will lose your jobs, which is, you know, most of the country, about to lose your jobs due to COVID-19. I'm thinking we are less than two weeks into this and they're turning out these snazzy ads to get people's money out of it. And when you say something about spiritual bypassing, Joe, I kind of go there. I think about our impulse to avoid suffering, which let's face it, is, is a human instinct. You put your hand on a hot stove, you pull it off, right? It's to protect yourself. And yet and still, all of our spiritual traditions, all of our wisdom traditions hover around the inescapable fact of suffering. It is just a fact. Um, you Buddhists on this call know that as well as we Christians on this call. It is the center point of of all of our study and all of our um, ethical traditions. And it's not to then impose that on uh, any of us, Alex, as you say, you know, now, Alex, you will learn a lesson from this, and this will be good for you, and here's the silver lining. But rather it is to say that it is inescapable, and it is the central fact of our lives, and it does finally unite us. Um, I've been rereading Howard Thurman lately, and you may know who Howard Thurman is, a great 20th century uh, mystical theologian and uh, ethicist teacher. I, he worked at Boston University for a while. 
and he was one of the um, sort of ethical architects of the 20th century nonviolence movement and a great teacher of Martin Luther King. His wonderful little book, Disciplines of the Spirit, I really want to commend it to anybody listening to this podcast. It's quite remarkable. And in it, he talks about many things, but including the inevitability of suffering, which he says, oh, the experience of suffering opens doors that nothing else in our lives could necessarily open. Or Simone Weil, um, whose marvelous collection of essays waiting for God. Simone Weil was a 20th century French philosopher who died very young um, as a result of World War II and her solidarity with those who were suffering. She wrote, she's a beautiful essay on affliction in that collection that I commend to listeners here. And I won't try to summarize it, except to say that all the great ethicists and philosophers and theologians and all of our wisdom traditions are onto the fact that um, suffering and desire and some alchemy of both are kind of the third rail of the spiritual life. And we're all riding it. And when it stops or when there has been some kind of a, of a disruption to the current that we're all on this rail together and where there has been a big disruption to that current right now and we're all sharing it, um, it's an opportunity to interrogate that fact with love and reverence. So I will stop speaking now, but I, I think that's at the center of what was causing me to, I'll, I'll confess, I was weeping on my run today as I was passing people and realizing this is what's uniting us, this core, this profound core, and everybody's struggling and doing their very best. Um, and I think, Jess, you're absolutely right that some people, like all of us at Harvard Divinity School, are keeping way too busy. We had to go back to classes this, this week and not behave as if everything was returning to normal, anything but. But there was an awful lot shoved at us, as there was for anybody in a university setting trying to go online. And I think it's too much too soon. I, I completely agree. Um, and yet, and still here we are. So I will stop talking, but that those are my thoughts. I don't think we can successfully spiritually bypass any of this without without damaging ourselves and one another profoundly. Thank you, Terry. I think what I've been thinking about, um, and thank you to all of you who, who have spoken and like shared your, your own little kernels of wisdom and, and it's helped shape my own thinking a lot. Um, I've been really vibing with spirals recently um, like as as like a tool to think through um, because I think that I've I've started to like notice patterns with my day that have started to emerge in this time of, of social isolation um, and this this urge to think that because you know I'm I'm putting spiritual practice first or I'm, I'm attending to rest or um, I'm like communicating in digital forms or I'm doing, doing my check-in, I'm doing my journal, um, that, that somehow I should be feeling different than I am, um, mm -hmm. that that should be transforming me. Um, and instead what that's been doing is kind of like pulling me out of my feelings rather than like letting me sit with them. And so like I'm on a different part of the spiral and I'm like, why, why am I still sad? I've done sadness already. Um, and it's like the, because because this is this is looping around again, um, you know there there is no like getting past this and and um, 
in in this moment um because we're all kind of like in this like hurricane of like grief and feeling and desperation um and you know it, it isn't the same every day um but like some of the feelings will keep coming up um and i don't know no for me no amount of um singing or journaling is is putting that in a place where i can really deal with it um it's it's letting me handle moment by moment what's happening um but i keep having to remind myself that like yes i'm going to come back to anger and i'm going to come back to despair and i'm going to come back to to all of all of these feelings of not really like having a grasp on what's happening and like the ground not being stable and that's okay for right now um that's that may be like what i need for right now and like trying to jump over that hurdle um whether through spiritual practice or you know through through like really deep like emotional introspection it it's not it's not going to happen for me right now and that that is okay it's i feel like everything is telling me that it's like it's time to slow down um and to just sit with it and that's not a comfortable thing you're reminding me when you talk about spirals of uh, Buddhist teacher Jack Cornfield. Um, I'm going to butcher and paraphrase this idea, but something he's, he talks about the spiritual path being a spiral path and that he was talking it more in macro. Like in our lives, we often make same mistakes over and over. We go through similar seasons um, and that might be different for each of us individually. There are certain mistakes I'm more prone to for sure. Um, and one thing a spiritual path can help us is not necessarily avoid those parts of the spiral, but just walk them with hopefully more grace and more observation and recognition. Like, oh, I'm on this this curve of the spiral. But um, now in these days where you're talking before this started about how each day is kind of the same, but it's also kind of it's interesting how the differences show up, like this blank canvas of of living and of our our psyche is. And my spirals are getting very much tighter and tighter. Like my, my waves and my, my cycles are almost daily now of like, I'll feel great in the morning, not so great in the afternoon, et cetera. Um, so anyway, thank you all again for, for sharing. I, what is, um, what is one, maybe as we're like, we're talking right now, I guess, about a lot about our own kind of spiritual, how we're thinking about our own spiritual stuff. But when we, when we extend that out to how we're relating to other people in this time, um, especially, I guess, as spiritual caregivers, what is maybe a guiding principle? Um, it doesn't have, I mean, it doesn't have to. <laughs> it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be the only principle you have. But what might be a guiding principle, whether it's like patience or grace or whatever, that has been really helping you through maybe some slippages in relationships as they've come up. And we don't have to go in the same order and we don't have to all speak on the same on this each question, but whoever feels the I have been breathing a lot more consciously, Joe. And I don't know if that speaks to your question or if it's just how I've been living for the last few weeks, but um I I've been breathing a lot. And you know, um in a in a physical yoga context, I talk about the teacher that I have who taught me how to breathe and I would tell the story that, you know, I used to take his class and come out of it feeling like I was death warmed over and I couldn't figure out why. And it's because I wasn't breathing the entire time. Um, and I think 
that lesson, I am relearning that lesson to your point about lessons that come back around to us. I am relearning um, the power of the breath. It is the fastest way to change the nervous system and the interior weather of the body and the mind. Um, and so, I mean, as, as the roller coaster of this experience continues, I think I've been just with my breath a lot. Um, I recently, I'm taking Karen Kling's Intro to New Testament class, and I think it was maybe in that class before we, we broke for the spring break that we talked about the word pneuma. Was it that class, Jill? I don't remember if it was that or something else. Yeah, I think we did. Okay. I feel like lots of things are coming, the same ideas are coming at me from different teachers in different classes this semester. It's beautiful and amazing. Um, but I remember walking campus and thinking about that word pneuma and it meaning spirit and also breath. I'm thinking about the word prana in my tradition, meaning breath, but also meaning the kind of animating, energetic force that is in all of us and through which we move and that connects us to one another. Um, and how beautiful it was for me as an individual that those are that those words mean the same thing, that they are describing the same sensation, that they're describing the same way of conceiving space and time and existence. Um, and I think I am like living that by breathing a lot. <laughs> Fortunately, I guess, right? But, but consciously breathing. Um, and in the, in the rare and blessed times that I get to teach um, by talking with people about their breathing and how they're breathing and how their breath can just, just be a small but powerful gift that can even for a fraction of a second just change the vantage point and give them space to sit with, even when it's not comfortable, like you were saying earlier. Uh, a, a breath can take that discomfort and just open it up enough that okay, for this moment I can handle that. And maybe it it, it tightens down again after that breath, but even one is enough for a little bit of a reprieve. And so I've been breathing more consciously, <laughs> alone and in community. I had the privilege of breathing in community with Jess on Monday night. She's offering an online meditation, uh, an online yoga class, and it was quite lovely and really welcome and restorative in ways that I desperately needed then. And I'm already looking forward to Monday night now here on Friday. Um, when you talk about Numa and Prana, I also think about Ruach in Hebrew, which is breath, wind, spirit, um, sort of pre-creation thing that exists that animates all of creation in Jewish and Christian mythology and in which we all share every time we draw a breath in and exhale, inhale, exhale. We are participating in that universal life force that brought everything into being and that unites all of us, all living beings um, in that magnificent cycle. And we are inhaling particles that have existed for millennia before us and exhaling them out into the world. So we, it's really a bodily participation in everyone and everything. And it's a unifying participation. So I thank you for raising that, Jess. One of your other questions, Joe, which isn't the question on the table right now, but you asked us, what would we suggest to people who have no tradition? What, to what might they turn? And my first thought is their breath and their heartbeat, which is connected, of course, this 
inner metronome that we have that is keeping us alive, but also uniting us with everything and everyone. So to go at the rhythm of our hearts, to slow down and to attend to breath is not just, a, again, a kind of, um, right, I just want to say capitalistic, um, consumerist, uh, feel good, get through this kind of thing, which it, it can do that. I mean, I, I don't want to deny that uh, meditation and yoga and all those things can have a kind of immediate therapeutic effect. And, and they do, and they should. And I think that they sometimes are exploited and um, they're, they're spiritually bypassed too as techniques to use, to little tricks and tips to put in your toolbox to feel better. When in fact, if you really follow them, they are going to bring you to the brink of everything, which is not always pretty. It's, there's a great void at the center and all of our spiritual traditions hover around that void and come out of that void. Um, and make meaning from and over that void, and sometimes at the bottom of it. So, I, you know, they're, they're tough, they're hard, they're not sweet and easy. Um, so I too am breathing intention, intentionally and being careful about noticing it. The other thing I would just say, it's just another pitch, I guess I'm on a rant today with Simone Weil, um, her claim that attention is at the root of all prayer and the root of all study and also at the root of all wakeful life is something that matters greatly to me. And I'm trying very carefully to pay attention when I attend to something that is not me. Imagine that I get out of my narcissism for 30 seconds. If I'm lucky, um, when I attend to something that is beyond me and also deeply, deeply within me, then I am connected to that, which is most ultimate and most intimate. And I am most connected to those around me. Um, and they're suffering. So I'm trying to practice very carefully, not just breathing and consciously breathing, but also attention. Um, something. Hi there, Alex. Uh, All right. Yeah. You should go, Alex. You should, you should really go this time. Something I hear in, um, in, in Jess's reflections as well as Carrie's, like this thing about um, attuning to our breath so we can support others is, I mean, this baseline, how are we um, making sure that we're well resourced uh, to be serving anyone? Um, how are we putting on our oxygen mask before trying to put it on to the person right next to us on the plane? Um, and I, I mean, I've been thinking of, I was reading, I mean, I was reading a New York Times piece about these healthcare workers in New York City who are just coming in day after day um, under just the, the most intense possible circumstances, exposing themselves, being exposed to a tremendous health risk um, in terms of the virus and just in terms of the, the health risks of, of exhaustion and fatigue and, and secondary trauma. Um, and... And it makes me think of um, uh, Vander Lipsky is her first name, Laura, trauma stewardship, about like, how do we really care for people who are on the front lines caring for others and the inevitable and extreme um, secondary trauma and vicarious trauma that, that that's a part of that and that's inevitable and that's not, shouldn't be surprising. And she is like, um, so something about how we, 
um, make sure we're managing things um, ourselves. Yeah, that's 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 one thing I just want to lift up. Thank you. So, so I think for me, the the word that really keeps coming up is the word care, just broadly, um, with what I think is getting me through not only this week, but um, kind of how I'm envisioning being, uh, you know, spiritually caring for others as well as myself. The word care just really sticks out. It's that that I mean, I'm a, a classic Enneagram too for all those that that know the Enneagram and also know me. And so, you know, the whole giver thing, the the meeting people right where they are is, you know, something I'm really good at. And I think the flip side of that is I'm also really good at putting others' needs before my own and really attending to me. Some of you I see nodding and and, and know that that practice well. Um, so so I kind of see a, an interesting tension with this, right, of, of meeting others right where they are and really kind of offering. It's it's that that tension with being a steady person that can do that and really create that type of space, but then also that that necessity of making sure that you're also circling back to what you really need. Um, I think, Aliyah, you raised very much about uh, spiritual practices feeling kind of like they're taking you out of the, the the place that you really need to be, and I've really kind of felt a disruption with that too in some ways. Like, I can't keep my spiritual practice quite the same uh, way with the way that it, it seems like it's, you know, things aren't business as usual here. We're, we're in an extraordinary time. And... Um, I found that caring for myself is looking differently in these times, but the need to care for myself is still there deeply um, and making sure that I'm also meeting those needs. And also that, that image of spiral makes me think a lot about, um, I mean, just, I mean, we're quite in uncertain and, and kind of to some degree unprecedented times now, but that, that constant shift when you're, you're caring for different people in different communities, that, that idea that there's, there's always going to be some level of disruption that happens, um, and there have been, and there there always will be. Um, I think to some degree that's also something with care that that keeps me kind of grounded, um, knowing that um, you know we've we've kind of been in uncertain places before, and um, I mean this sure is out there and a lot, um, but but I think that's something that really kind of helps me to to keep in perspective, knowing you know this isn't the first nor the last, but um, the fact too that that we're kind of called upon to, to be the people to navigate through that um, and to really help people navigate that, whether that's sitting where they are, whether that's thinking about other things. Um, and I think lastly, just to kind of lift up some some UU theology too, just because I, I feel like I, I need to do more of that. Um, I, I think really I'm, I'm kind of seeing in this, this digital space a, a real interesting dialogue with, um, you know, some of our principles being the, the inherent worth and dignity of every person, um, mixed with also our, our last principle about the interconnectedness of all existence. And I think those are the two really pressing care things that people are needing right now, is that sense of, of interconnected community, of feeling like we're still able to meet together and be together as communities, as uh, human beings. Um, but then also that, that need for that, that deep affirmation that, you know, you know I, I, I'm seen and I'm I'm, I'm valued and I'm cared about. Um, and I, I see that as a really challenging thing. I mean, uh, especially with people who um, aren't maybe as familiar with technology, maybe have different barriers to receiving that technology, um, people of different abilities as well. Um, I think this is, you know, a time that, that is showing um, some differences with that. And um, anyway, so I, I think care really is a word that keeps coming to mind, the care for the self, care for um, others. And, um, just kind of understanding that again, we're, we're seeing the spiral of trauma and uncertainty again and again. And 
um, just kind of remembering that each of us has that deep need to be seen and to be valued and loved as well as to remember our interconnectedness with, with one another. Thank you, Alex. Um, I think for me, one of the things that I've, I've been noticing is, is also coming from a UU tradition. Um, we talk a lot about interdependence and in this moment that, that seems to be just like the tag word. Um, and I feel like usually I think of that as kind of like a benevolent way of like viewing and, and being in the world. And now it's just like, it's like deeply, deeply, um, just, it feels tragic in a lot of ways. Um, and like holding that, um, one of, one of the things that, that I have, um, been trying to, to recenter myself on, um, is kind of love and gratitude, um, being my guiding principles of, you know, I, I might be like fully intending to reach out to someone to care for them, but like knowing that, like, I am grateful for their existence and, and that, that is part um, of, of the love that, that like I want to cultivate within myself, within others. Um, and also like knowing that love looks different today than it did a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I showed my love through a hug or by, by a visit, um, or any number of other ways, um, that aren't available today. And, um, so I've been, I've been thinking a lot about, um, the people who, who I'm reaching out to most, the people who I'm reaching out to occasionally and how um, like that, bringing that like principle of love and, and seeing how it's shifting um, in the moment. Um, I've noticed like an uptick in, in like verbal affirmations of it. Um, I've noticed um, people, people just kind of like indicating their bodies on this call. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of, a lot of people just like holding each other in their hearts and um, in their hands and um, beautiful and tragic. Uh, so that's one of the things that I'm holding on to right now is kind of that guiding principle of spiritual care. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, everyone. So we're, we're actually close to an hour on time. I know we have some deadlines for other calls coming up that we need to get to. Uh, we didn't even get to half of our questions, but we just really amazing shares from all of you but i thought maybe to try to get our to boil down to maybe a, an urgent question perhaps um you know, i've heard i was reading something from um reverend matthew Preben, who's a ucc minister in newtown connecticut where the sandy hook tragedy um occurred several seven or eight years ago and he had something that he talked about in this blog post he talked he, he had was about like this is a time as, as spiritual leaders where it's helpful to focus on purpose more than meaning. And there might be an urge to create meaning out of the situation, but what people can really um, hold on to with a sense of purpose um, or something to do. Um, so maybe real quick, it may, doesn't have to be anything grandiose. It can be super simple. Um, what's something that each of you think that can offer something for people to, to do in this moment? I think if we haven't had a correspondence with somebody who's incarcerated, for instance, you can send a letter to somebody who is stuck in a place that's actually a petri dish and cannot get out, which is a practice for any time, let alone a time of a pandemic. 
So that's one thing you can do. Another thing I'm noticing that I wish I knew how to sew. I can't even get a button on my shirt. It's tragic. It's embarrassed by my inability. I would be sewing masks if I could right now. Um, but if I did, I would be exposing the healthcare workers who were using them to for their tragedy and, and risk because they'd be full of holes. So I'm not, but if you have a skill like that, do it. Um, I'm, I'm, and neighbors calling on neighbors um, has been profoundly helpful. I live with an elder um, who is at great risk for contracting this. And our neighbors have been extraordinarily solicitous, leaving things at the end of driveway and, and calling. And I've been trying to return the favor to the degree that I can but simple little acts like that and making eye contact, making eye contact. There's a recent book out by a, um, a Yale historian, I think he's an historian, a social historian, uh, talking about what are the, um, what are the elements of the, that make for the rise of tyranny. And one of them, you'd be surprised to learn, is not making eye contact. Simple things like that, looking at people. So when you pass them on the road or people driving by you and they stop to let you pass, look at them in the face. Things, simple things like that. Those are some of my thoughts. Thank you. I think, honestly, what I would say is create um, is something that comes to mind. If that means writing for you, if that means painting, composing, um, if that means drawing, if that means molding something out of clay, um, I think right now the world just um, could use a little more creation. Um, and uh, I don't know, that's something that I think I'm going to be challenging myself to do too, a little more, because I, I think that's a, a really good way to, I don't know, just have, have something not only to do, but also to just share your gifts with the world that just so desperately needs it. Alex, I couldn't agree more. That was one thing I've I've been thinking a lot about is, is create. And even as it just struck me how good it felt for me to sing in the shower the other day, just singing, just that simple act of a creation just for myself. I have a tendency to want to create stuff and get like the social media validation for it, which I'm not even going to say is a terrible, <laughs> it's not even a wholesale terrible thing I'm going to say, but even, but it is also beautiful to just make, to do, to interact and put your spirit into some kind of material form some kind of way um, is something I also echo. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, well, one thing I want to one thing I want to say is just like that I think we can all use is it's okay to have no idea. Just it's okay for this to be to, to have no idea. Um, like I never did this before. Um, and <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've had this um, this line from Ocean Vuong, uh, the poet, in my head for a few weeks now. He says in, in the, uh, the poem is called Notebook Fragments. And he says kind of out of the blue in there, something like, there are over 13,000, there are over 13,000 unidentified body parts in, stored in an underground repository in New York City from the World, from the world Trade Center, stored in an underground repository in New York City good or bad. And, and it's like, um, it's so important to me and so striking because it's like, is that good or bad? Like, it's bad that the tragedy of September 11, 2001 happened. It's good in a certain way that the state is doing that, but it's also creepy 
And it's like, we don't know. It's utterly confounding and ambiguous. And going out, staying in, supporting others in this way, supporting others in that way, good or bad. Thank you for that. Agreed, Alex. Um, I, I heartily second creativity as a way of doing. Um, I, I find I am wanting to create and make things and things I don't often make. I'm brewing kombucha in my kitchen right now and it's giving me like no end of delight. Um, the other thing I would add is that I, uh, repetition I find is really useful for me and not necessarily, um, like surrounding myself with repetition all day, every day, but having particular times of day where I purposely repeat particular things, right? So at this time of the morning, I am going to do this practice, or I'm always going to say this every time I wash my hands, or I am going to do this before bed every night or whatever. Um, I feel I find repetition to be a really grounding and nourishing quality. Um, and so I might offer that as a, a way of navigating our time again, because we, I, I also feel like I don't know how long our, our, our new normal is going to last. I, I feel like the word normal just doesn't really mean anything anymore. Like, I don't know if it ever means anything, but it really doesn't mean anything right now. Um, so with this sort of massive change that we are all swimming through, um, I'm finding repetition to be really, really helpful, uh, a sense of rhythm is is really nourishing so i might offer that as well thank you um i think carrie is gesturing something but i think carrie has to go is that sorry you were muted no no no. i just i just wanted to agree and thank people for saying not knowing is a way to go here and doing the best we can, and this is uncharted terrain. So having more to do is, it seems to me in some ways, a, a very unhelpful response. It's exactly giving into the, the uh, dilemma that you were pointing to us, pointing out to us earlier, Jeff, you know, keeping busier and busier because it's itself a running from fear. The other one thing I would just say is it's, I think it is important to try to set an intention for every day. Now that might be a prayer if you're from a religious tradition that prays. It might be a, a meditation if you are not. It might just be a simple intention. One of the things I do, I'll show you right here. I, I have a candle lit every day and it's part of my, I have a rhythm and a set of prayers that I do, but at least every morning I light that candle and it goes throughout the day for an intention. And that I find to be helpful. And it's not just, this is what I want to do today, but maybe um, prayer for to hold other people or something very specific. And I've talked too much already. I'm sorry for interrupting. You're fine. Thank you. Um, I was going to say, get outside. Um, move your body. Go on a walk. Leave your tech home. We're all on screens all of the time. But like, even I, just like yesterday, I had a really, really long day. I had three classes and a couple of meetings and just like felt myself like hunching. And in the break in between, I like went out and um, was out for like half an hour. Um, and it, the change was incredible. Um, just, yeah, be, being able to, to just like breathe the fresh air um, and walk around and get in touch with 
my body and with like the world around me um rather than like the world in this technology um felt super important amazing well thank you all so much for this and thank you carrie for getting us all together and uh just so deeply appreciative of all of you and all of your insights and um look forward to seeing you across the digital divide sometime and whenever the time comes to being able to see you in person too. Joe, thank you for this. Oh, you muted yourself, Carrie. Halfway through thanking me and singing my praise. <laughs> yeah, I'm thanking you. I'm sorry. Um, I'm thanking you for not only this conversation, but for curating this space for the larger conversation about, you know, closing the distance, bridging the gaps being with one another in this strange new time. Um, we never needed community more and we have to figure out ways to do it in ways that don't drain us of the energy for that community, but give us opportunities to really connect and you're doing just that. And really wanna thank you for your leadership. Thank you. Um, yeah, and if anybody you know wants to contribute anything, our, our project that we have, um, my partner Molly and I, Closing the Distance, it's just a Jess has contributed something to the great yoga and meditation for sleep. It's really open to anybody who wants to contribute something. We're also trying, not trying to pressure anybody. Obviously the last thing we need is, as we've talked about is you have to do something. We don't want that energy attached to it. Um, but it's, it's there for, if you have a creative impulse for a spiritual gift of an audio video creation, um, we'd love to put it up and uh, share that. Really so thank you all. Um, all right, I guess that's, I guess we'll wrap it there. Thank, Thank you. you Thank you, everybody. So good Bye to be with everyone. you. Thank, Thank you, everybody. Good to be with you, too. Goodbye. Thanks.